Today is our final message in this uh, Hope Fellowship series of who is Hope Fellowship and what we're about. Uh, last week we started getting to some of our distinctives and we're gonna, I'm gonna speed through it today because I don't wanna do and get another one because um, I'll get into more and more details later uh, for in our membership class. But I wanna share some of these distinctives with those that are new to Hope Fellowship, those watching online that are new, um, just so you have an idea of where we're coming from because it matters. And I don't want people to assume certain things because then they suddenly say something, say, oh, you don't believe that? <laughs> no. So anyway, it's really funny. It, it happens. I wanna, this is about being gracious and having conversations that there isn't a correct way always. There's a plethora of ways to understand and visit theology. So what's the, what's the matter? All good? We're good. That's great. Something went wrong. Somebody's phone's on. That's what it is. It's Alexa. <laughs> that's the one that, that's like the one that, uh, where, did I say this last week where somebody's having trouble with relationship problems? So, hey, Alexa, why am I having relationship problems? This is Siri. So anyway. <laughs> anyway sorry, I thought it was funny. All right, let's get into this. But let's get into the ponderings because what made me stop to pause and ponder this week? And I've got 10 slides that are, really good. Um, maybe one or two will hit you in a special way, but uh, there's constantly things that hit me and trigger me in, in a good way. Some things that I actually have to re I didn't share the ones I have to reread twice because that means I have to explain them longer and I don't want to do that today because I got a lot to cover. A lot of people are dealing with grief. Grief, I've learned, is really just love. It's all the love you want to give but cannot all that unspent love gathers up in the corners of your eyes, the lump in your throat, and that hollow part of your chest. Grief is just love with no place to go. I thought that was really good, for, especially when those are spending time remembering those they've lost. And uh, it's, it's, I thought it was really good. Um, have compassion and empathy in your heart. Many people are suffering deep emotional anguish, anguish beneath the surface of their lives, and smile even as they hurt inside. So the external we see from people is not always fair. There's just being aware, and I promise it's hard. <laughs> Especially when somebody really annoys you or ticks you off and they're just acting like jerks. It's really hard to remember this. I don't always get it right. In fact, I rarely do, but once in a while, like after my incorrect reaction, I come back and do a lot of repenting to God directly. <laughs> but I'm learning. This is not easy. The other serenity prayer, I love this. God, grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly. The courage to forgive myself because I'm working on doing better and the wisdom to know that you already love me just the way I am. I thought that was really great. This one's great. Maybe the best thing to give up for Lent is any notion that giving something up makes God love you more. <laughs> this is not the purpose of Lent. However, many believe it is. Subtly, we think that by doing these things, God will like us more. Or if we do them, then we're going to feel closer to God, and then he's got to hear our prayer, and then we throw in our request. It's like pampering mom and dad when you want something, you'd be really nice, do extra chores, clean all that stuff, and then you, then you drop it on them, right? But let, yeah, I, thought, yeah, I thought it was really good. 
This was really good too. Nobody owns a copyright, patent, or trademark on the Holy Spirit. If they rejected you, that doesn't mean God has rejected you. Don't let anybody manipulate you into thinking that you can't be connected to God without being connected to them. Religious and spiritual leaders do this all the time. This is really important. Or certain um, styles uh, of worship. If you don't do it this way, then you're really not connected. Or are you this? And they're, they're feeling out to see if you've got this level of spirituality or have you done this? And they start to do your resume to judge you how, on how spiritual you are so they can stay superior to you so you have to keep coming back to that spot or that trough. Careful with that. We've been hammering this one home in the last number of weeks. The Holy Spirit's your only teacher. You are already loved and accepted and valued. Really important to remember that. Don't confuse God as the cause of the means by which God saves us. Now, I was going to do a small devotional from this, because uh, this is a quote from Brad's book, um, uh, Out of the Embers. I'm not going to, but that, this is a pondering one. Some of these really neat time to ponder and percolate, and you need to think it through, but that, that was really good. Let love always lead you to listen more deeply, understand more fully, connect more securely, forgive more freely, communicate more clearly, and respond more gently. I think this is the lifetime of learning. None of us get it completely. We don't get it right all the time. And sometimes we see somebody else get it right, and we're inspired by that. And it encourages us to, oh, that's a way to do it. And then you copy somebody else's method for a short time until it becomes yours, and you find your way of responding in love until it becomes your own. And you don't need others to look at for that encouragement or example. A mature Christian sees Christ in everything and everyone else. You love that. That is a definition that will never fail you. Always demand more of you and give you no reasons to fight, uh, exclude, or reject anyone. That, that's powerful. Again, that, it comes to God as love. And even last week's message of Christ holds all things together and is in all things. Love is the answer here. And yeah, anyway, that's Richard Rohr if you don't know. One or two more. If it produces fear or shame, self-condemnation, inauthenticity, repression, servitude, or hate, it's not truth, Jim Palmer. And I, I would also add on, it's not Jesus. It's not God. God does not sell fear. Never has. Every time a messenger was sent in the text that we have today, it says, do not fear. Even though the angel freaked them right out, but do not fear. Huh? Like it just, that's not the fear that you're talking about. They're saying, don't be afraid. There's not condemnation coming because they believed if, an, if something spiritual were to happen, there's usually a God's going to get you. But here the angel comes with good news, good news, good news. Do not fear. God loves you unconditionally as you are, not as you should be, because nobody is as they should be. Now, keep in mind, 
there's a difference between your true identity and how it's lived out. Because we sometimes live from faulty concepts of who God is, faulty concepts of who we think we are. Those expressions are incomplete. But your true identity is complete. That part you've arrived at. But how to live out of that, that will take the rest of your life. I just thought Brendan Manning, he was, he was a phenomenal, phenomenal person. Great teacher. And for those that are seeing pixelation, it's a fuzzy picture. So, yeah. <laughs> I get it. All right. All right. Devotional. Not from Henry Nowen, but rather from my friend Richard Murray. And this one's really good. It's deep, so be ready. A promise from the Father of light and love. Here is the perpetual prose of promise from our all-powerful Father of light and love. I will never leave, abandon, or forsake you. Let that sink in for just a millisecond. I will follow you to the end of all the eternities if that's what it takes. I will save you no matter the cost, no matter the investment required of my curative energies, and no matter the catharitic pain that it may bring both of us. I will win, I will win, I will win your heart because I'm the only one who truly knows it and still believes in it. And knows where it has been damaged. And knows how it will be cured. Either in this age or in the age to come. Sooner or later. Sooner in this life is better, much better. But later will suffice. My arms will never tire. My love never resigns. And my light never dims. I will find you. That's not Liam Neeson, by the way. That's, this is God talking. I will find you. <laughs> come on, that was fun. Okay, thanks. I'm looking for Brent. Brent, come on, that was funny. Okay. I will find you. <laughs> I am. I will. We are in this together and forever. Do you believe in a God that loves you that much, that pursues you that much? That's a pondering. You can go back online later and rewatch and reread that. Um, it's one of his posts that he posted on his Facebook page. It's, I just thought it was phenomenal. But let's get into this final summary of Hope Fellowship, our journey and such. Our history we covered a couple weeks back. We talked about our vision. Um, we talked about our mission. We talked about our values. We talked about what inspires us, some of the unique, quirky things that are kind of fun about who we are. Uh, our logo we talked about, we, and then uh, two weeks ago, we, or la it was last week, we talked about the discovery of unlearning, unlearning things that we thought were locked in. The cubby holes are theological boxes that were handed to us by someone else that we were just not allowed to question, and now, wait a minute, that box has been sitting there a long time, I've never opened it, what does it really say? And then you open it and go, what? Who put that in there? And it's time to revisit these boxes and realize some people have stuffed things in our theological boxes that are not from God. <laughs> and your heart will know which ones are and which ones are not. And if you're not sure, the Holy Spirit's in charge of guiding you all the way through. 
and you may see things differently than someone else, and that's okay. But here's, here's a couple, there's 10 things, and I covered a couple last week. Uh, one of the most important things I think Hope Fellowship has discovered is our view of who God is and a better understanding, better understanding of how God views us. This has been like, since I arrived, I've been learning and unlearning, which is pretty cool. Um, we talk about the character of the Father by looking at the Son. Jesus said, hey, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. So Jesus is exactly the same as the Father. There aren't two different gods. There aren't two different personalities. There aren't two different bad cop, good cop styles here. There are one. And when you see that, you will read your Bible differently. Somebody asked a question this week on, on how can I read my Bible from, a, from this unlearning renovation perspective? And I responded saying, by looking at Jesus. You look at, if discover who Jesus is, discover who God is, how much you're loved, and then see how God sees you. That's going to change your lens and how you see the scriptures. The same text that we all clearly and plainly understand, right? <laughs> the Bible plainly says, well, it might say that plainly to you, because in 10 years from now, you're going to read that exact same verse a whole lot different, because something has happened in you. And if it makes God bigger and better, trust it. God's big enough to keep you from falling off or the pendulum swing from that rope breaking. <laughs> it's okay. You can, you, I know we see people do the pendulum swings in their beliefs. It's okay. And it's not your job to chase. But they're leaving the church. Not they're not leaving the church. They might be leaving your church. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. Bye. You know, they needed it. Maybe you're too weird. Maybe you're not safe enough for them to grow. Who knows? Sometimes people come back because it's about the connection. And there's, there, you just need time. We kind of, kind of chill on that. I like what Rod said in our history conversation about Hope Fellowship. We come with an open hand. If you're new to Hope Fellowship or come visit, it's an open hand. We're glad you came, but we're not going to, oh, got you now. Sign up for membership. Please serve here. Give money, blah, blah, blah. No. It's like open hand. Thank you. We're thrilled you're here. We hope that you can find care if this, this fellowship can be a connection. Great. It's not going to fit everybody. Some people are going to say, what about this? Why don't you have that program? We don't. We're not promising anything. See, if you lower the bar, you, the expectations are a little easier to reach. So, <laughs> it's, just, it's just true. Uh, God is love is another big one. Not an attribute. We talked about that last week. Go back and listen. We have a new nature. We talked about this last week. Uh, thanks to Christ dying on the cross and raising us all to a new life, our identity in Christ is the key. Who are you in Christ? And I'm never going to stop talking about this for the rest of my life. And some people may say, well... When are you going to move on? <laughs> Never. I'm not moving on. Because this is the constant place from which I grow. From who I know I am in Christ. Who Christ is in me. And who we are in the Trinity as one. Number three. We are one with Christ in union with him. This was a big one. In fact, uh, I'd say almost 20 years ago was the first time I discovered Christ was in me. Somebody would ask, well, how long have you been a minister? 33 years. 33 years and 20 years ago I discovered Christ lived in me? That's embarrassing. But why? Because I believed in Jesus. I loved Jesus. I believed there was a connection, but I thought there was this unexplainable thing because God's ways are higher than mine. And, you know, there's always that bubble. We throw everything we can't understand into in that box, that junk box. 
<laughs> in our brain, the theological junk box. We'll get to it later. Ah, later. I'll sort it later. And then I read a book from Bob George called Classic Christianity. That was my launch. And then I read the book Grace Walk and lots of books since. But those two books were the tool God used to show me from Colossians 1.27. Psst, here's a secret. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Everything changed that day. Everything changed. I had been spending dedicated time coming to the church early, uh, meeting with men because men are supposed to meet and have that accountability and pray for one another and all the stuff I was told to do by all these ministries. Like, I did the things right. I was at church early. No one was around. I could sit kneeling before the, the, the pulpit or whatever and pray. And uh, if I'm there early enough, then I'm feeling good because I'm doing all this great stuff for God. That was useless. Although I may have felt I had a spiritual experience, but it was, it was man-made. And the man-made experience was affirmed by all these others who were doing the same thing. Oh, yes, that's the move of God. Uh, it wasn't. It, it, God was in all that. That's fine. But there was a layer peeled back. There was a thing lifted from my eyes. And suddenly I realized I've been begging God for something that was mine the whole time. Come near. Where are you, Jesus? Forgive me. That was the next big one. We're going to talk about that briefly. I didn't know I was fully forgiven. I thought it was up to me. Again, we'll get to it in a minute. But holy smokes. The unlearning. I loved Jesus. Always have. And I really wanted to understand. So even when I first learned about this grace message, so to speak, um, I was accused of following a leader and mimicking whatever that leader was saying. And I'm thinking, you don't know me. I'm not going to parrot something I can't believe or don't believe. I have to wrestle with this. I need to be able to understand it and explain it. And I'm not done. I'm still, still, I, I am never going to share anything with you I don't believe. Or I'll be honest, say, look, here's how I'm seeing things right now. Here's how I saw it, but here's where I'm transitioning to. And there's still a mystery to be explored, and I don't get it yet. I'm not done learning, growing. But this idea of one with Christ, that's huge. And you are one with Christ too, even if you don't know it. Abiding, well, that's a different one. I was told I must abide in Christ. A duty, <laughs> but to find out I already do abide and I just, it's, it's my natural place. So instead of having to abide, as in I must now choose to, okay, now I'm abiding. Distraction, oh, now I'm not, oh, distraction. Oh, no, now I'm abiding. And it's up to me to stay abiding. My default is abide because Christ is in me. It's your natural disposition. You're already abiding in Christ. Is your mind reflecting that? Jesus said, I do nothing of my own initiative. The whole time, Jesus modeled how to abide. Constantly, he said, I don't do this. My father said this. I don't say anything of my own accord. My, I, I just tell you what my father says. Jesus lived abiding in his father the whole time. He did not know everything all the time. Jesus did not know everything all the time. What, isn't he God? Yes. 
fully God, fully man. But he chose not to live out of the divinity. He lived out of his humanity. That's why he suffered like you and I. He had to grow and learn and mature and had all of those experiences growing up and what do you call that, adolescence? That must have been awkward, you know, and so on. And all that stuff, Jesus went through it all as a man, as a human. And he chose to abide in his father. He listened, he prayed a lot, heard and got to know the voice of his true papa. And then listen to this in Acts 22. Who did the miracles? This is, this is really cool. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, listen carefully, which God performed through him in your midst. Jesus didn't do those miracles in his human that was the abiding father doing the miracles through every single one of those miracles. That changes a lot and changes the pressure to mimic, changes the pressure to try and copycat Jesus and what would Jesus do? You don't know. You, you can't think like that because it's a different situation. You can ask Jesus, hey, what, how do you want me to respond? Man, it's personal. As the Father sent me, so I also send you. The Father sent him to abide and to reveal the Father. We are to abide in Jesus and reveal the true Jesus and the true Father. To declare the reconciliation that has already happened. Obedience. Oh, this one's a good one, right? A lot of church membership documents love this one. This is the control thing. But guess what? It's not what you think. You see, obedience can be a swear word in the church. Everybody hates it. No. It's, it's the club we use to make people listen. You have to submit to the authorities, blah, 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 blah. Listen, obedience is your natural response to the, to the loving suggestions from the Holy Spirit in you. It, it's a response. It's not a law, and we're going to talk about law and grace in a moment, or law and the covenants. It's not something that has punishment associated with it. This is the Holy Spirit prompting, guiding us. And I promise you, a lot of it doesn't even look religious. <laughs> Moving away from duty and living the desire already in us. Jesus will give you the desires and then give you the power to fulfill whatever it is that God wants to do through you. And he's the result. What do you do? Be in your disposition of abiding. Acknowledge it. Watch what happens. Forgiveness. It's a done deal. We now get to live from the state of being forgiven, confessing our forgiveness and living it out towards others. I've done a whole series on forgiveness. And uh, had a big conference last year on forgiveness, which was deeper than I ever expected it to go. But to summarize what we've learned here, we are already forgiven. There's no one here or listening or anywhere that is not already forgiven by God. It's done between you and your Heavenly Father. If you're going to confess your sins, then pray like this. Jesus, I confess, which means I agree with. That's what confession means. I confess I am forgiven. What I did, oh, sorry, that sucked. 
I'm grieving, I'm sorry. That's great. That's a contrite heart. It's lovely. But to factually think you're not and then try to beg for it, it's just a spin, spinning cycle. I've, I've taught on this enough, so I don't, I'm not going to get into the details now. Well, prove that. Where's it in the Bible? Go back and research because I've done it already, all right? It's all there. It's, it's, and it's fun and blunt. But it's gracious and gentle. Number seven, Christ is literally our life. We don't ask him into it. We discover he is our life. Ooh, I remember I used to use the term, I've asked Jesus into my heart. And that's okay to use the term. Because that may be the framework that you understand, or the one you grew up in, or the one that you entered into a connection and relationship with Jesus. The terminology still can work. But as you grow and mature, you're going to realize, I was already in Christ. What? No more performance-based acceptance. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be (coughs) revealed with him in glory. Colossians 3, 4. You see, I used to think that if I say the prayer, then I receive the life of Jesus as a transaction. There's no transaction in Scripture. We wake up to this. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. Colossians 3.3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is in Christ. (laughs) I'm not making these up. Number eight, I'm looking at the clock, that's why I'm suddenly going quick. Um, Old covenant versus new covenant, the purpose of the old law, that we are not under it at all. This is where people get mixed up with making the scriptures equal Old Testament all the way through to to the new, that's equally authoritative that all of it applies to us. It doesn't. In fact, anybody that ever goes to Bible college, in any, almost any Bible college, you'll learn pretty quick that, oh, there's a difference. But they don't emphasize it because if they did, it would change the outcome of Bible college and churches. Many focus on the rules. You must follow these rules in order to be right with God. Well, Jesus is declaring you already are right with God. It's messed up. And this is a big thing we've been learning here. I haven't talked about or preached on this for a long time, but the old covenant is the old rules. Another word for covenant and testament, like a last will and testament. Once somebody dies, it's done. Jesus died and ushered in the new covenant. So let's maybe visit the new covenant. Oh, we still can learn much from the old because it points to the new We don't live from the old. We live from Christ in us. So careful that you don't spit on that too much and realize, okay, that's my heritage. I've grown up learning this. It's good because it points to Jesus. There are people still think they're under that law. Fine, point them to Jesus. Number nine, spiritual warfare. I went to a number of charismatic churches growing up, and my mom dragged me to every charismatic movement you can think of. Benny Hinn was at Water of the Pentecost. I got dragged there, and I saw the wee stuff. It was, it was different. I, I was in the front row when he came and talked to my mom. Um, all, I, I got pulled to all kinds of movements in order to, my mom was hoping I would take on me somehow, you know, that would catch, because somehow I guess I needed it, because she didn't bring in the other kids. Anyway, who knows? <laughs> ah! But what we believe matters. And if you think there's a demon behind every chair and tree, then there's going to be a demon. 
behind every cherry tree. But if you realize, wait a minute, spiritual warfare is in your mind, and we've taught on this too. It's up here. And what you believe and what you see, don't get into the semantics. Get into first who is God and who are you? Because it answers most of the questions instead of, yeah, but what about this? And what the Bible says this? How do you answer this verse? Hang on, I've read those verses. Go back to the foundations of what you haven't studied and memorized and learned fully yet. You're in Christ. That's huge. Number 10, intimacy with Christ is our goal. Just as the Trinity is one, we need to grow in our understanding of our oneness with the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one in union. These are 10 huge things. And I think this is like the signature of Hope Fellowship in some ways. Can it change? Can we add a whole bunch more? Yes, we could. Be a really long sermon. But anyway, it's, it's, this, is, this is a summary of what has been exciting and what has got me fired up of why I love doing what I do. Final verse, Colossians 1, or sorry, 3, 1 to 3, in the First Nations translation. This is written from an indigenous perspective. A beautiful translation. Since you have been, past tense, raised up to a new life with the chosen one, then keep looking upward towards him into the spirit world above, where he sits in the place of greatest honor at creator's right hand. Keep your thoughts and desires centered on the spirit world above, not on the things from the earth below. You died with the chosen one, and now your life is hidden with the chosen one in the great spirit. Start there for your questions. Start there. If you're wondering, well, how does this all work? Well, maybe you've got so much religious baggage or so many theological boxes that your garage is stuffed. <laughs> Time to purge and have a garage sale. And some things, right to the dump. But what my hope is, is that here at Hope Fellowship, we create an atmosphere where we can learn, ask questions, not be right, but rather know the one who is. Big difference. Let's close. Heavenly Father, may your Holy Spirit be the one who reveals truth to each one of us in our own way. May what is already true, the objective, factual truth become our subjective truth as well and that may take the rest of our life for it to happen thank you that you are patient with us may we be patient with ourselves and others on this journey i pray this in jesus name